It's good to have Brother Kenny and Sister Bridget home. I was thinking today, Brother Brother Kenny came to us when we first came to the storefront. He was fresh. I don't know if he was out of Bible college yet, but he was in Bible college. And he came and worked faithfully beside us for a long, long period of time through all of those travails and then moving into our building here and the building process, and then God moved him on. We're thankful that they're here tonight. I've asked him to bring the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I I want to come tonight with a hungry, open heart. I want the Lord to speak to me. Amen. I don't want this to be a waste of time tonight. So I want you to take the hand of somebody near you, and we're going to pray right now. God, speak to us. Let the Word of God have free liberty and access in all of our hearts tonight. That we will grasp that Word. That we will be thankful for the Word that is coming. The Word that you have given. Lord, that it will lift up and bless. In the name of Jesus, anoint your servant tonight as he delivers that Word to us. Give him liberty, Lord. Give him liberty. Let that anointing rest upon him in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you give Brother Custer a great welcome to Greater Life Church tonight? Moved us on and I keep asking him to move us back. But he hadn't worked it out yet. But it just happens that I didn't even realize this was the the day that you were honoring pastor appreciation. This morning, Celicia leaned up and asked me, she said, are you preaching? I said, no. And this morning, she said, well, what are you here for? (laughs) So I said, we're just happy to be home. And then he asked me to preach tonight, and I'm thrilled. But uh, I enjoyed hearing my pastor preach this morning. And I was thinking of that, uh, what he began to say when I came. I was just fresh in Bible college, and he he saw something that there's been nobody uh, in this world to invest more in my ministry than brother brother and sister Hughes and and this church um, paid actually paid a major portion of my Bible college uh, education debt, and uh, I remember there was a lot of time spent with him and. I learned more under his wing, beside him working in ministry, than I did in Bible college. And I'm not knocking Bible college, but you don't get hands-on there. And he he talked, they were honoring him this morning. I'm sorry to keep you standing. If you want to open your Bibles to the book of Job, while while you're getting there, they were talking about he'll, he'll outwork you. And I'll never forget it was... Around, I think it was a New Year's. We were getting ready for New Year, and we had just got the carpet down in the sanctuary, and we were getting ready to have a service. We were going to christen it for New Year's. It might not have been New Year's, but we worked. He and I and Darren Jones worked all night long finishing up little things to try and get ready for service. And it was about 5 o'clock in the morning, and we had finished our list, and I was preparing to go home. He said, you're not going anywhere. He said, if I don't get any rest, 
you don't get any rest. And we ended up finishing out a few more things. And finally, it was daylight before we left here. But we ended up having a great service the next, I think it was that morning we had service or night or something. But I learned a whole lot besides ministry working with him. I learned a whole lot about how to work. And in my Bible college days going with him, we installed cabinets and things that I didn't have a clue about. But I can do a little finished trim now. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm thankful to be home and uh, look forward to what God has in store for us tonight. Um, the book of Job, one, the first chapter, the first verse. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And if you want to flip back to the last chapter of Job, 42nd chapter, in verse 5, it says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I bore myself and repent in dust and ashes. If you will join with me and let's just ask God to have his way here in the next little bit. Lord, we love you. God, we're so thankful to be in your house. We're so thankful to be here tonight in your presence. God, we submit ourselves to you right now to receive your word. Would you speak to us? Would you speak through me tonight, Jesus, and let your word do its job? We give you glory and honor and praise in advance for what you're going to do, Lord. You're going to change lives. You're going to move us in the right direction closer to you, God. You're going to work in someone right now. You're beginning now. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of the Lord. We serve an awesome God. And God is. He is everything. You've got to understand that there should be no doubt about God. In your life, there should be no questions that involve his validity. There should be no questions that involve whether he does or doesn't, whether he can or can't. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is amazing. He's able to work in your life tonight. He's able to touch you. He's able to heal you. He's able to pick you up. He's able to touch your mind. He, he's able to heal tonight. He's able to, to work in situations that you've thrown your hands up. God is able. He is a friend to the friendless. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's faithful tonight. You cannot find anything else that will serve you and, and as in faithfulness than as good as God can. He is faithful and true. He's just. He is a miracle worker. He is a, the God of gods. He is everything. If you didn't get a, get on board with any of those points, you need to back up and realize who you serve, who who it is we're singing about, who it is we've been worshiping. We're worshiping the one true God, Jehovah. We're worshiping the God that can and will and has and will forever. Hey Amen. Someone said that God said it, and I believe it. That settles it. The truth of the matter is that if God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter what you believe tonight. If it doesn't line up with his word, with what he has in store for you, you're missing the point. You're missing what God has for you if you're not lining up with what you've heard from him. 
I know that God has spoke to people. I know that you have these things that have come to you. I know that God speaks. He speaks even to me. And so there are times when I know what God has said and it takes me a little while to beat my flesh into submission and go ahead and line up with that. But if you're sitting back thinking, well, I know what he said. I know that he's God and I know that he's told me this, but I'm just not ready to go there. I'm not ready to move that direction yet. Then go ahead tonight and just get your proverbial hammer out, your spiritual hammer, and just clock yourself in the head real good and say, you know what? We're going where God's wanting us to go. We're following what God wants. He's God. and He's God alone. There's no one else like him. And we were designed. We were created. We were put on this earth. As pastor said this morning, he, he formed us. He didn't form us just for to watch and see as an experiment to see what would happen. But he formed us knowing what would happen. Knowing full well that he would have to go to the cross. That he would have to, to take on that role to save us and to touch us. And he did all of that because he, he created us to serve him. To live for him. To live in him. To trust in him. To draw near to him. To receive from him. To be a, in a place where we have to rely upon him. And so we are to draw strength from him. We're to draw everything that we can from him. And and we're created to be in that role, to be close to him. And Job was a man like you and I. Job was flesh and blood as you and I. He he stumbled and failed. There were things in his life, I'm sure, that, that you would look at and say, well, he's just human. But God did not see him that way. Because in verse 1, he said that Job was perfect. Do you realize, I, I've, I love David and I've always said I would want it to be said of me that I was a man after God's own heart. But if you look at the life of David, this life that, that he lived, it, it was filled with errors and problems. He knew how to come back to God. He knew how to get God's attention. He knew how to worship his way back close to God. He knew how to get, get forgiveness and repentance and all of those things in life. But Job was a man that when God looked at him, he didn't say he's a man after my own heart. He said, this guy is perfect. He's never failed. My, what a statement to be said of someone that that God would look at you and say, you're perfect. Perfection means don't change. Perfection means there's nothing to be added to you. Perfection means that you have arrived. Very few things in this world are perfect, especially when it comes to humans. But for God to tell Job he was perfect, perfect and upright, that he, he would steer away from things that might even draw him the wrong way. A man who who understood what it meant to please God. He lived for a God that is governed by, by, by rules, by laws, by principles. There are laws that God has set. Let me let me give you a little get get us together here. There are laws that God has set for himself. If you go look at nature you go look at things around us. There's a, there's a law of gravity that, that if you throw it up, it's going to go down. It keeps you and I from floating off and, and spinning off into oblivion. God set that law to, 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 for the earth to spin at the right speed and, and everything, to, the sun to be at the right distance, everything to be in the right place. And he doesn't tend to that. God, God doesn't get up every morning and say, let me put the sun back. It seems to be drifting. Let me make sure the earth's at the right speed. Let me spin it up a little bit. Keep those people on there. But he set it in motion. He set it and it stayed. He set, he sets weather patterns. I've heard people say, well, oh, the, the devil must be mad because it's raining on our, this and that. No, no, no. The weather is a weather. 
The devil can't control the weather. God controlled the weather. But God can stop the sun. God can hold back things. God, he can do that when he wants to, but he doesn't get up on a daily basis and say, let me throw a little rain over here. They need some. Let me, if he did that, boy, wouldn't it be perfect? They only, only get the right amount of rain. No flooding. No, no hurricanes. No, you know, but God set weather and, Laws. He, he set these things in motion and they, they govern themselves because of his design. He, he doesn't tend to them. He doesn't deal with things like that. And, and so he says, basically, if, if I do this and set in motion, then if this happens, this happens. And that's how God is. He, he, he just, he, he set it in motion and, and designed it that way. There are spiritual laws. There are spiritual laws that, that can control things in our life. And it says, basically, if you'll live a certain way, You'll receive certain things. If you do certain things, the wages of sin are death. That's a law. But repentance is another rule that he set in place and forgiveness and it wipes away that. He's, he set up the design that he doesn't have to tend to every day, but he set it in place where we can reach to it and get to it. He set up the spiritual laws and he set up the, the law that, that Job was living in. He set up things that were, were in, in place. I, I know a man that, that tithed, he, he paid his tithe relentlessly and never went to church. But his business was blessed because God said, if you'll bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't pour you out a blessing. He set that law up. It did, there's nothing else attached to that. There's nothing else attached to, to that law that says, now, if you do this, this, and this, and then pay your tithes. Then I'll pour. He just said, "Let me let me put it this way: if you'll if you'll bless the ministry, you'll bless the pay that into the into into that. It, then I'm going to pour you out a blessing." And he doesn't go tend, he doesn't go look at the books every day. And he he just says, "When they do this, do that. When they pay this, when when the tithes come in, be sure that the blessings begin to store. Be sure it begins to pour out on them." He set up rules. He set up things that that, that are governed. That he 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 said he will always hear our prayer. He'll always inhabit praise. He, he moves because we move him. When you begin to pray, when you begin to call upon him, he doesn't wait for you to get the right thing. He doesn't wait for you to get the these and the thous and, and the great, the, the, the king's English, right? When you just stammer and stutter and don't know what to say, but you're giving it to him, all of a sudden he's moving on your behalf. He, he knows where you're trying to get. He says, so don't ask amiss. But if you just can't get the words out right and, and you're stammering and stuttering and praying, it doesn't matter. I promise you, God understands and he's moving on your behalf because he said, I, I will answer. I will move. I will hear your prayers. Every worthless stammer and stutter and prayer that I've ever messed up is bottled up. And he's he's got it waiting. And he's worked on my behalf. Every time that I have just simply said, Lord, I worship you. I praise you. I magnify. Every time I began to clap my hands and sing, whether I was driving down the road or sitting on a pew, God began to move on my behalf. He began to show up because he said, I will inhabit the praise of my people. If you begin to understand, you can move God. Every time you just simply say, I love you, Jesus. I I need you today. He's on top of it. He's moving because he set himself the rule and the the law to govern him. And he can't change that. But we get to a place that we understand these things. And so we know, hey, if I worship, I'll feel this. I'll move. This will move this way and move in that way. And you know what praise is? 
Praise is God beginning to show up and move and, and, and it's make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. You're not even there yet. You're coming before, but we get to feeling what He's what He's got going on, and we think, man, something great is happening. Know ye not that, that the Lord He is God? It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. He had to put that in there to give us a reminder. You've done nothing of yourself. It is but because I have designed it this way that when you begin to sing, you get to come before My presence. That when you enter into my gates and into my courts with praise, you enter in because of thanksgiving. You get there because of the law I designed. And so when you begin to praise, when you begin to give praise and worship and thanksgiving, that's when you move into his presence and into his courts. It is by nothing that you've done, but but the design that God has given that allows you to move there. And there's so many people that believe that they're, they're, that his presence is equated to to approval. God's presence in worship is not the approval of God. It is simply the drawing of God. He wants to get you to a place. So when you begin to worship Him and sing and magnify Him, and all of a sudden you feel those Holy Ghost doodads moving up and down, and you get excited, and you start to jump and move and shout and clap, and you feel the the presence of God reciprocating into you, it is not because He says everything's perfect in your life. But he's saying, hey, now you understand. I can touch you. I can reach in. I can begin to work. I can begin to touch. I can do some. You're doing the right thing for me to have an inroad into your life. You're doing the right thing for me to begin to speak. But a whole lot of people get to that place and say, oh, man, wasn't it on the level tonight? Was it, it was beyond. Man, God moved. And that is what we love to experience. We love to feel it. But his presence is not an approval necessarily of your life, but it is him drawing you to a new place, a new level. And I'm not saying, well, God doesn't approve of you. God does approve of you, but he's not saying this is where I want you to stay at. doesn't matter how long you've been in this. If you begin to worship and praise him, he's going to say, come on up a little bit higher. There's no, no max in me. There's no top. There's no place you can reach and say, well, I've been to the highest point. He says, come on, I've got a little bit more for you. I've got, I'm not, a, I'm not approving of where you're at. I, I'm not leaving you here. Come on a little bit higher, a little bit higher. And so we need to understand we want to be in his presence. We want to, we want to get there. And those laws and principles help us get there, but they also keep you in the right place. And so you can live by these laws. You can live by these things. You can live biblically and, and, and still be lost. You can live biblically and still be saved. Job's perfection. I, I, I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind that if Job were a man in our day living today, the way that he lived, there would be that God would still call him perfect. God didn't roll away the Levitical law. He knew we couldn't measure up. So he sent himself to the cross to pay the debt so that we could have a way of escape, so that we could answer for the failures where we come up short. But Job lived under that. He lived in, in a way to the perfection that God saw perfection in him and said, when it's time to sacrifice, Job sacrifices. When it's time to worship, Job worships. When there's something to steer away from, Job goes the extra step to get away from it. When there's something that, that could trip him up, Job makes sure that he's done everything in, in the law to protect himself. You can live that. 
And you could probably, if you could live it, you would be considered perfect. God would consider you perfect if you could live that way. But you're human. Don't get mixed up and think that you're, you're that, that because you're living by such great principles and in, 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 in a place where you feel so secure that that you're perfect. Job was called perfect. I, I've never been called perfect, but I can I can promise you I, I have been called disappointment. I, I've been called failure. I've been called shortcoming. I've been called things that, that, that I never understood that why I couldn't just get there. But God said, you know what? I'm trying to get you there. But, you know, just, just a little bit more. A little bit more will get you there. But Job had such a perfection that it amazed me that he would be called that way because his life, when you see it, he, he ended up going through the trials and the troubles, but it was a daily thing until that point. Job didn't just do it all one day and it'd be, oh, well, Job, you're perfect. You, you've did it one day. Job would go prepare sacrifices just in case his kids sinned. Just in case his kids messed up, Job would go and prepare and do a sacrifice just in case. That's, that's, that's going above and beyond. You don't have to have perfection to have a relationship with him. You can have religion, and that's that's literally what living that way would be. Job did not have a relationship with God. We don't see Job uh, as Adam and Eve, as, and God didn't show up in Job's life to, to walk in the cool of the garden with him. Job didn't find God walking and, and, and coming to, to visit with him and tell him how to build an ark. Job, Job, we don't find this account that, that, that Job living this perfect life had any interaction on a personal level with, with God. It just simply said he understood the rules and lived by the rules. You can live by the rules tonight. You can live by the rules and the principles and miss out on what God really has. You can miss out on your relationship. God intends His principles to lead us to a relationship. Hosea 2 and 16 says, Thou shalt call me Ishi, and no more call me Bali. Uh, Bali literally means master or ruler. Ishi means husband or lover. His rules, His principles, uh, that feeling you get uh, when you begin to worship Him. When you begin to move into His presence, when you begin to feel Him moving, is Him saying, come on. Don't, don't look at me as your ruler. Don't look at me as a master. I have to be a master sometimes. I have to tell you it's wrong and I have to, I have to discipline you sometimes. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is come closer to me and let me put my arm around you. Let me draw you close and tell you what I think of you, that, that I'm, 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 I'm in love with you, that, that I need you, that I want you. He, he said, I want you to realize that, that I love you. I, I'm not trying to be your taskmaster. I'm trying to have a relationship with you. One that looks beyond your faults and failures. One that sees that I want to pull you closer to me. 500 people saw Jesus leave at Bethany and only 120 made it to the upper room. There's too many that get to a place and find out, hey, I, I have this relationship. I, I have this, I have this commune with him. I've been, I've lived this way and I, I've seen enough. I, I got to this place. I'll stop here. There is no stopping point. There is only continuing to pull and go closer to him. But Job was godly. He did according to the rules. He lived by his rules, not by his feelings. Through his trial, Job learned to have a relationship with God. Peter denied Christ. He, 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 I I don't know, I don't know him, I don't know him. 
Peter denied, but he had been so close that he had begun to take on his attributes that he he never realized he was changing. And that's what God wants for us, is not to say, well, I'm going to give you the rules and while you live by the rules, you'll, you'll be who you are and you'll just, that, that will govern you. But God wants to so much say, you know what? If you'll just begin to look at me, keep your eyes on me, walk in this way, those rules, those principles, they're going to govern, they're going to guide you, they're going to lead you. But at some point, you're going to all of a sudden realize, hey, I didn't, I didn't intend to be here. The rules, I'm, I'm with, I'm within the boundary, but somehow I'm closer than I was before. I'm not, I'm, I'm within the rules, but, but now I see that he's a little bit closer and I don't know how I got here and, and I, I'm taking on attributes. I'm beginning to change. I'm beginning to become something more. God's intention and plan for you is not that you would just get the Holy Ghost and to say, well, that's it. I, I've been baptized and I've received the Holy Ghost. I've spoken other tongues and boy, I've arrived. Let me sit down and be all that I can be. But his intent is that somehow every every opportunity he has, that he could stir you up, that he could say, come on, a little bit closer. Don't get satisfied. Don't settle for this. Don't stay in this place. But you're within the bounds. But the boundaries are just set to keep you from falling off the edge. But there's a place of closeness, a place of communion. Peter began to change. He, he, he didn't even realize it until he said, I deny, I, I denied him. And then all, they looked at him and said, no, no, your speech betrays you. You, you've been with him. You, you sound like him. You, you, you begin to take on things that, that I don't believe that, that it necessarily was an accent that Peter took on. I, I believe that, that when he began to say, no, 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 I don't know him. That, that, that everything that God had poured into him, that every, everything he become, all of a sudden, hey, it came out in a different way. I don't know that guy. He's the master. But, but, but you, you said you don't know, but I don't know that man. It's Jesus. But you said you don't know him, but I, I don't know that guy, but it's Jesus Christ. He told me not to tell you. See, you can get so close to him that even if you try, you're not going to get to that place that you can just walk away. You need to get to a place that says the boundaries now are so far behind me. The place where the rules were that he had set in motion are so far behind me that I can, somehow I just keep getting closer and closer to him. Every time I feel him, I, I want to be closer. Every time he moves, every time he speaks, every word that I can find, it wants to infiltrate me and move. Ezekiel said, I tried to get away from him, but he was like a fire shut up in my bones. I, I, I said I was going to speak about him. I wasn't going to say any more about him. But somehow, every time I tried to keep my mouth shut, it just proclaimed, he's the Christ. He's Jesus. He's God Almighty. He's my Savior. He's my Deliverer. He's my close friend. He's something amazing in my life. You need to get to a place in your life that when you cannot find anything else, you can just simply begin to encourage yourself. You imagine Ezekiel setting back, trying his best to just quit, frustrated and tired and, and in a place where he just, he just had enough. His flesh was trying to rebel and, and in that place, in that moment, in that time, he thought, I'm not going to say another word about him. I'm shutting my mouth. And somehow something just began to get inside of him. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. He's my redeemer. 
if you understood that David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. Do you understand when he said that, he's saying, I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm frustrated. I've had problems and situations that have not gone my way. That is not the time that your flesh begins to say, he's the Lord of Lord and, and he's my God. That's the time when your mind is saying, you just give up, just quit, just walk away. When Peter's trying to deny him and walk and, and say, no, I don't know him. When he, Ezekiel's saying, he's, he, I'm not going to say another word about him. That, that point that the flesh, we've been there and we say, your, your mind begins to wage battle on you and you I'm not saying it. And David said, somehow, I began to encourage myself in the Lord. I, I, I realized within the boundaries, within the place that God had placed me, I wanted to just walk away. But somehow, as, as I sat there saying, I'm so down and depressed and hurting and broken, he's beginning to say, He's, but he's been so good to me, but he's been amazing in my life, but he's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And, and some, something began to happen inside of him. Ezekiel said, I'm not saying anything, but oh, I love him. I, I need to be near him. I, it's beginning to work inside of me. Peter, I, I'm denying him, but somehow it keeps coming out that I know him because that's what God intended uh, that you would get so close to him, uh, that you would draw so much from him, uh, that somehow when you thought uh, there's nothing else, I, I'm down, I'm hurt, I'm depressed. Uh, and all of a sudden in the back of your mind, you begin to hear he's Jesus he's your savior he's your deliverer he went to the cross for you and all of a sudden you realize I can get through this I can go to the next level I can move up Peter said thou art the Christ and Jesus said flesh and blood have not revealed this to you and he went on to exhort him calling the rock and all these things but then he said tell no man what? I just professed that you were Christ, that you were God in flesh, that you were Jesus Christ. I just came to that. It, it was revealed to me through my being near you by all the things you poured into me. I know who you are now. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Tell no man. And I, looked, I thought, why? Because this is not about you going around. I know who Jesus is. I know, I know, he's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus over there. And now, don't get me wrong, God, God wants you to tell who he is. But in that place, in that time, and who, who Peter was, it was not the, not what God wanted him to do was go around and say, I know the Christ is over there. He revealed himself to me. Why? Because God was working a different way. He wanted the others that he came in contact with to realize he was the Christ on their own. He didn't need somebody going around blabbing, that's Jesus uh, over there, I met him, and he revealed himself to me. But he was saying, you know what, Peter, you got to a place that everything I could do for you, the, the, the power and the spirit that was moving inside of you, the word of God that worked in you revealed it to you, and you came to understand him. That if you go tell people, they might believe you. They might understand that you are, that I am Christ. But I need to get what I got inside of you, inside of them. So that they'll wake up one day and say, you know what? I know who Jesus is. I, I, I've got a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus. God will honor his laws. God will honor his, his laws. You can live so good, so nice. And you will, you will live so well that people will be so pleased of you. Going back to them, them Sunday school rules. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't run with people that do. Those are, you can live that way and your pastor can be proud of you. But you can miss it. 
God will honor you if you live right. But what he wants is a relationship. Uh, The law says you sacrifice this way. You go and you place the bullock on the sacrifice. And you do this and you pour the blood and you bleed. It's a nasty, dirty. It's not pretty to look at. But it involves the, the breaking of a body and, and, and all of those things in the, the Old Testament. When they did that, it was, if you can, if you can sacrifice the biblical, that law, if you, if you did that, he would honor it. But David once again said, you know what? I realize God, I don't want, I don't want to live in the law, God. I, I want that relationship. I want to be on the, on a different level with you. David said, I understand something. You don't, you don't really want me to sacrifice that lamb. You don't really want me to go slay that. You don't really want that to happen. Now the law says you do. The law says you have to. But David gets to Psalm 51 and all of a sudden the lights come on after he's made a terrible mistake with Bathsheba, after he's, he's made a mess of things and he gets to in Psalm 51 and he says, Oh Lord, Open thou my lips and my mouth shall f- show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. But God, you said the rule said that sacrifice and burnt offering would free me from this sin, would, would wipe it away. <clears throat> But he said, no, you don't understand. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. I'll do it. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, will, will thou not despise? He got to the point and he realized, oh, I can live this. I can, I can go get the ram and I can go, go to the, to the altar and I can, I can do that by the rules. I can under, I can do that. You can, you can come to this altar tonight and you can go through the motions and I promise you God will listen. He said he'll hear your prayers. I promise you that God will respond. But I, I cannot promise you if he'll go beyond what he is bent, held to by his law, by his rules. He'll touch you. He'll heal you. He'll minister you. He'll do those things. But when it comes down to it, that relationship that what he really wants, as he hung on a cross, just just days before, as he knelt in a garden, he said, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink this. His flesh was saying, no, I cannot do this. And he, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then you get to the cross and he realizes it is finished. I've done everything that I can do to get to this place. And as he hangs on a cross and they mock him and he says, I thirst. I don't for one minute think that he was saying, give me that nasty vinegar hyssop, make full, make make fun of me. But just days before he said, I don't want to drink the cup. I don't I don't want this. I want I, I just can't I just can't go through it. But then as he hung there, he thought, I've done all of this to get to this place, uh, to to build the the bridge for relationship. I've done all of it to get to this place. Uh, I'm thirsty. I'm desperate. I've got to get into the place where I can reach in and touch their lives. I've watched from afar long enough. I've been held back by the laws and the rules. And this will be the final thing. He was saying, I said I didn't want to drink it. But I would sure love a drink that would get me past this point right now. 
you'll stand with me. His desperation. His desperation was to get to us. To touch us. To be able to be in a relationship one-on-one, close to us, drawing near to us. And it's not a one-time thing. It begins one time. And then it's again and again and again and again and again back to His presence. Closer and closer and closer and closer. Testimonies are are offered to inspire us. I, I will thrill, I will be thrilled with you if you want to share a testimony with me. If you, you come to tell me something God's done in your life, hey, I'm, I'm, ex, I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited for you. But your testimony just, it, all it does is maybe happy for you and for what God did for you. I want my own testimony. I want my own testimony. Someone else's testimony won't deliver you, it won't save you, it won't protect you, it won't, it'll help you, it'll inspire you, but without your own action, without you moving. And Job, the perfect man, lived so great, lived so perfectly, went through the trials, never one time did he turn and say, curse you God. His wife said, you should curse God and just die, just end it. Never one time did he say, no, nah, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to give up. And finally, Job answers the Lord in verse 42 and verse 5. He says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I've heard a lot about you. I lived my life by what I heard about you. I've lived my whole life. Everything I knew about you, everything that was written in the law, I lived it perfectly. I have heard about you. I have lived it without failure. And you yourself called me perfect. I heard about you by my hearing of the ear. But now, my eye sees you. You can hear someone from a distance. You can stand back and listen to someone give you direction and and you can get there. But what Job was saying, I listened, I learned, I lived, I walked that way. I was so perfect in it. But now I have come face to face with you. Through all of that, I didn't, I didn't fail you. I didn't come up short, but now somehow. It's brought me right to you. And now I see you. I I don't have to live by what I've heard. I don't have to live by hearsay. But I'm going to live now face to face. And that encounter brought him to the next verse. Verse 6. I abhor myself. And I repent. But Job, you were perfect. There was nothing. There was no failure. Why? Why? Why do you need to repent, Job? Oh, because I missed the whole scope of things. I missed the fact that you wanted to have a relationship with me, that you wanted to, to be near me. I missed the fact that, that all I was doing was 
living by the rules. I was playing by the rules. But now, after hearing about you, I've now seen you. And by seeing you, I realize that I am nothing more than worthless. And I need to fall upon my face and find a way to let you know, God, I'm going to be close to you tomorrow. I want to be close to you the next day. I want to see you again. I want to come into your presence again. God, I'm not going to listen from a distance. But Lord, I'm coming back again and again and again and again. I wonder if you would realize there's been things in your life that you, you've gotten advice from someone and they, they've given you good sound advice and you, that's good. I'm going to do that. And by doing so, you failed to pass it by the altar. There's nothing wrong with good sound advice. Somebody's been through a trial, a trouble. You picked up the phone. I'm going through it. They said, well, this is what happened to me. This is what I've been through. Oh, that's, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to act that. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to act on that. I'm going to do that. And God's saying, well, well, over here, don't just listen. Don't just stand back and listen to someone else or, or don't just stand back and play by the rules. But find a place where you can come and see me eye to eye. And I promise you, I I will show up and I will work and I will move on your behalf. The angels desire to look into this. They want to know how it is we can get the attention of God Almighty by simply saying, I'm worthless, God, I need you. I wonder if anybody would just like to lift their hands right now and simply say, God, you know what? I'm not finished. I'm not through. I've been near to you. I'm close to you, but I'm living right. I'm I'm living by the rules. But God, I just wonder if I could just draw a little closer to you. God, I've heard your word. I've acted upon it. I've lived. As a rich young ruler said, I've done it all since my youth. But I'm lacking something. God, I need to get close to you. I need to move into your presence. I need to be seeing you eye to eye. When you get to that place, you'll realize there's so much more. Oh, would you call out to him, Jesus, we need you tonight. God, I need you tonight. Oh, I abhor myself, God, and repent in dust and ashes. Lord, I fall before you. Oh, that I might draw near to you, God, that I might have a relationship that's more than just a a rule relationship. God, I want to call you my lover. I want to call you my friend. I want to call upon you. This altar's open. If you want to move and respond, if you want to find a place where you're at, wherever it is, spend a few minutes talking to him. Spend a few minutes one-on-one. You don't need somebody speaking to it from a distance, but you need to get one-on-one with him. Jesus, would you speak to me? God, would you just move in my life? God, I want to be one-on-one with you. Oh, I want to be closer to you than ever before, God. I want to walk in your presence. I want to move in your presence, God.